Hi, I'm Eric, and this is Listen to Sleep. This week, part two of an old French story called A Forest Betrothal by Erkman Chatrian. We find out if this May-December romance is meant to last. If you want to read the whole story in its entirety, it's available for free online at Project Gutenberg, like most of the stories on the podcast. You can check the show notes for each episode for a link to download the story for free. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider showing your support by following it on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen. Also, you can link to it or talk about it on social media. I have an Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter account that are all at Listen to Sleep. Thanks to the hundreds of listeners who've started following along, we just hit 2,000 downloads this week, which was a lot quicker than I thought. You guys are great. Your feedback has been super helpful. Please keep it coming. Let me know if you have any requests. A listener from Greece requested some more Viking tales, so we'll be going back to Norse mythology next week. Here's part two of A Forest Betrothal by Erkman Chatrian. One fine morning, a wagon slowly wended its way down the sides of Beagleburg, loaded with three casks of old Rikavir wine. Of all the presents that could be given to him, this was the most acceptable, for Yeri Forster loved, above everything else, a good glass of wine. That warms one up, he would say, laughing, and when he had tasted this wine, he could not help saying, Mr. Zacharias is really the best man in the world. Has he not filled my cellar for me? Charlotte, go and gather the prettiest flowers in the garden. Cut all the roses and the jasmine. Make them into a bouquet. And when he comes, you will present them to him yourself. Charlotte, Charlotte, hurry up. Here he comes with his long pole. At this moment, the old man appeared, descending the hillside in the shade of the pines, with a brisk step. As far off as Yeri could make himself heard, he called out, his glass in his hand, Here is to the best man I know. Here is to our benefactor. And Zacharias smiled. Dame Christine had already commenced preparations for dinner. A rabbit was turning at the spit, and the savory odor of the soup whetted Mr. Siler's appetite. The old judge's eyes brightened when he saw Charlotte in her short, poppy-colored skirt, her arms bare to the elbow, running here and there in the garden paths, gathering the flowers. And when he saw her approaching him, with her huge bouquet, which she humbly presented to him with downcast eyes. Monsieur le juge, will you deign to accept this bouquet from your little friend Charlotte? A sudden blush overspread his venerable cheeks, and as she stooped to kiss his hand, he said, No, no, my dear child, accept rather from your old friend, your best friend, a more tender embrace. He kissed both her burning cheeks. The head forester, 
laughing heartily, cried out, Monsieur Siler, come and sit down under the acacia tree and drink some of your own wine. Ah, my wife is right when she calls you our benefactor. Mr. Zacharias seated himself at the little round table, placing his pole behind him. Charlotte sat facing him. Yerry Forster was on his right. Then dinner was served, and Mr. Siler started to speak of his plans for the future. He was wealthy and had inherited a fine fortune from his parents. He wished to buy some few hundred acres of forest land in the valley and build in the midst a forester's lodge. We would always be together, he said, turning to Yerry Forster. Sometimes you at my house, sometimes I at yours. Christine gave her advice, and they chatted, planning now one thing, then another. Charlotte seemed perfectly contented, and Zacharias imagined that these simple people understood him. Thus the time passed, and when night had fallen, and they had a surfeit of Rickavir, of rabbit, and of Dame Christine's cockton sprinkled with cinnamon, Mr. Siler, happy and contented, full of joyous hope, ascended to his room, putting off until tomorrow his declaration, not doubting for a moment, but that it would be accepted. About this time of year, the mountaineers from Harburg, Kusnacht, and the surrounding hamlets descend from their mountains about one o'clock in the morning and commence to mow the high grass in the valleys. One can hear their monotonous songs in the middle of the night, keeping time to the circular movement of the scythes. The jingle of the cattle bells and the young men's and girls' voices laughing afar in the silence of the night. It is a strange harmony, especially when the night is clear and there is a bright moon, and the heavy dew falling makes a pitter-patter on the leaves of the great forest trees. Mr. Zacharias heard nothing of all this, for he was sleeping soundly but the noise of a handful of peas being thrown against the window waked him suddenly. He listened and heard outside, at the bottom of the wall, a tss, tss, so softly whispered that you might almost think it the cry of some bird. Nevertheless, the good man's heart fluttered. What is that? he cried. After a few seconds' silence, a soft voice replied, Charlotte, Charlotte, it is I. Zacharias trembled, and as he listened with ears on the alert for each sound, the foliage on the trellis struck against the window, and a figure climbed up quietly, oh, so quietly, then stopped and stared into the room. The old man, being indignant at this, rose and opened the window, upon which the stranger climbed through noiselessly. Do not be frightened, Charlotte, he said. I have come to tell you some good news. My father will be here tomorrow. 
he received no response, for the reason that Zacharias was trying to light the lamp. Where are you, Charlotte? Here I am, cried the old man, turning with a livid face and gazing fiercely at his rival. The young man who stood before him was tall and slender, with large, frank, black eyes, brown cheeks, rosy lips, just covered with a little mustache, and a large brown felt hat tilted a little to one side. The apparition of Zacharias stunned him to immovability. But as the judge was about to cry out, he exclaimed, In the name of heaven, do not call. I am no robber. I love Charlotte. And she, she, stammered Zacharias. She loves me also. Oh, you need have no fear if you are one of her relations. We were betrothed at the Kustnach feast. The fiancés of the Grinderwald and the Entelbach have the right to visit in the night. It is a custom of the Unterwald. All the Swiss know that. Yeri Forster, Yeri, Charlotte's father, never told me. No, he does not know of our betrothal yet, said the other in a lower tone of voice. When I asked his permission last year, he told me to wait, that his daughter was too young yet. We were betrothed secretly. Only as I had not the forester's consent, I did not come in the night time. This is the first time. I saw Charlotte in the town, but the time seemed so long to us both that I ended by confessing all to my father, and he has promised to see Yeri tomorrow. Ah, monsieur, I knew it would give such pleasure to Charlotte that I could not help coming to announce my good news. The poor old man fell back in his chair and covered his face with his hands. Oh, how he suffered. What bitter thoughts passed through his brain. What a sad awakening after so many sweet and joyous dreams. And the young mountaineer was not a whit more comfortable as he stood leaning against a corner of the wall his arms crossed over his breast, and the following thoughts running through his head. If old Forster, who does not know of our betrothal, finds me here, he will kill me without listening to one word of explanation, that is certain. And he gazed anxiously at the door, his ear on the alert for the least sound. A few moments afterward, Zacharias, lifting his head, as though awakening from a dream, asked him, What is your name? Carl Imnant, monsieur. What is your business? My father hopes to obtain the position of a forester in the Grinderwald for me. There was a long silence, and Zacharias looked at the young man with an envious eye. And she loves you, he asked in a broken voice. Oh yes, monsieur, we love each other devotedly. 
and Zacharias, letting his eyes fall on his thin legs and his hands wrinkled and veined, murmured, Yes, she ought to love him. He is young and handsome. And his head fell on his breast again. All at once he arose, trembling in every limb, and opened the window. Young man, you have done very wrong. You will never know how much wrong you have really done. You must obtain Mr. Forster's consent. But go, go, you will hear from me soon. The young mountaineer did not wait for a second invitation. With one bound, he jumped to the path below and disappeared behind the grand old trees. Poor, poor Zacharias, the old judge murmured. All your illusions are fled. At seven o'clock, having regained his usual calmness of demeanor, he descended to the room below, where Charlotte, Dame Christine, and Yeri were already waiting breakfast for him. The old man, turning his eyes from the young girl, advanced to the head forester, saying, My friend, I have a favor to ask of you. You know the son of the forester of the Grindelwald, do you not? Carl Imnot, why, yes, sir. He is a worthy young man, and well-behaved, I believe. I think so, monsieur. Is he capable of succeeding his father? Yes, he is twenty-one years old. He knows all about tree-clipping, which is the most necessary thing of all. He knows how to read and how to write, but that is not all. He must have influence. Well, Master Yeri, I still have some influence in the Department of Forests and Rivers. This day fortnight, or three weeks at the latest, Carl Imnant shall be Assistant Forester of the Grinderwald, and I ask the hand of your daughter Charlotte for this brave young man. At this request, Charlotte, who had blushed and trembled with fear, uttered a cry and fell back into her mother's arms. Her father, looking at her severely, said, What is the matter, Charlotte? Do you refuse? Oh, no, no, father, no. That is as it should be. As for myself, I should never have refused any request of Mr. Zacharias Silers. Come here and embrace your benefactor. Charlotte ran toward him, and the old man pressed her to his heart, gazing long and earnestly at her, with eyes filled with tears. Then, pleading business, he started home, with only a crust of bread in his basket for breakfast. Fifteen days afterward, Carl Imnant received the appointment of Forrester, taking his father's place. Eight days later, he and Charlotte were married. The guests drank the rich Rikavir wine, so highly esteemed by Yeri Forster, 
and which seemed to him to have arrived so opportunely for the feast. Mr. Zacharias Siler was not present that day at the wedding, being ill at home. Since then, he rarely goes fishing. And then, always to the Brunnen, toward the lake, on the other side of the mountain. Good night.